A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with myself, Jared Kimber, and over the next hour we'll discuss the art of T20 bowling. We dive into topics such as holding your nerve at the death, mastering the variations, and discussing what it's like to play the shortest format all around the world. We'll be joined by two current internationals as Worcestershire's Pat Brown and Lancashire's Matt Parkinson discuss their rapid rise at such a young age, while the Nottinghamshire and Melbourne Renegades bowler Harry Gurney explains his life as a T20 freelance cricketer. To help guide me through the next hour on Cricket Collective, I'm joined by the man who mastered the slower ball long before it was in fashion, and we all know the delivery I'm talking about. Fantastic, brilliant delivery from Harmison, a change of pace, surely it's all over now. Australia 175 for eight, the last recognised batsman goes. There he is, Steve Harmison, the slow ball king. And that's what we're talking about today. Not so much slow balls, but how to bowl in T20 cricket. So we've got a bunch of experts on and... Uh, I suppose let's start with, with the king himself. Harmy, how are you? I'm not bad, Jared. There's been a lot of talk about my slower ball over the last few days for what's been shown on TV. I can argue with this. I can, I can easily say I had the worst slower ball in the history of the game, apart from one time. And the only person that's ever been bamboozled by it was Michael Clark. So, yeah, it wasn't a bad one to do that and get that one out there. But I think every, other, every time I bowled it with a white ball, it tended to go 15 rows back. Well, that's the thing. You didn't have to evolve the way that I suppose other T20 bowlers yeah, have. True. Um, and, you know, it, I mean, I would assume if you were bowling today, you'd probably bowl wide Yorkers, uh, straight Yorkers. You would bowl a few more bounces in T20 cricket and you would have had more slow balls. You only, did you have split finger or were you a, uh, a, an off-cutter man? Uh, I was a split finger before T20 started and then had the, had the, uh, the off-cutter when... Um, 2020 evolved a little bit. Uh, I came in when 2020 first started. Literally, it was hilarious. We got told by Dio Benkenstein, I think, who was our captain, my, one of my first ever games. 
and he um, he basically told us to go up to Ramside Hall where the where the driving range was, give us a bucket of balls, give her a driver each, and said, lads, hit these white balls as far as you possibly can, because that's all we're going to do for the next five six weeks. It was literally a hit and giggle. Nobody really took it seriously, and look what it's evolved into. So uh, it is fantastic. You had to change. You had to do something different. But I think what I would do now, um, you'd probably see me bowl more in the middle period of, of games and you're right probably a lot of a lot of bouncers um and i would imagine you know you'd, you'd be instructed to bowl as fast as you possibly can so in that bracket when i played the likes of brett lee and show back toe a lot faster than me alan donald probably a, another one a lot faster than me but in that next bracket down you know the likes of stan myself you know, i'm trying to think me you know, goffy if he was playing in that time You'd be bowling, you know, you'd be trying to bowl in excess of 90 mile an hour or um, 65 mile an hour slow balls. And we've got someone else uh, with us who also has played. I mean, we will eventually get to uh, Harry Gurney, Pat Brown and Matt Parkinson to talk about sort of the more modern side of it. Uh, but uh, Gareth Batty is uh, joining us. And here is a man who, who lived before T20 and at this stage may, may uh, you know, survive beyond it. Bats, uh, tell us about your evolution in T20 from uh, a wide-eyed uh, youngster to the grizzled veteran you are now. Very good evening, man. I'm not sure I've ever been that wide-eyed with my cheeks, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm the same as Harmy. When it first came on, I, I was at Worcester at the time, and there was hot tubs at grounds, there was speed dating after games. People just came, and it was like Friday night out. You know, it was just come and get drunk, watch a bit of cricket, and 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 the players almost took it as that. It was it was like your your Wednesday night league that um, you know people play all over the country. And what it is now, whew, uh, there's, a, there's a huge amount of data behind every game, every player, every almost every ball. There's only 120 balls in each innings. You can you can isolate uh, situations. And uh, and for me, England's uh, sort of best captain probably ever, uh, Owen Morgan, sort of brings it down to to winning those those sort of one moments in a game. Um, how you know when that moment is when you're out there. Uh, good luck, because there are so many moments uh, that, uh, that that you can feel under pressure. Um, but uh, you win that that crucial moment, and um, and you get over the line. But uh, it's oh, it's evolved. It's uh, it's probably the most studied form of the game now. I would suggest. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. But when did you, you know, as a cricketer, start to take it seriously? Because, you know, you, you were already, a, you know, a, a respected Red Bull player. You probably knew you were going to have a long county career or hoped at the very least you'd have a long county career. Uh, so at what stage, uh, you know, did you start to think to yourself, do you know what, I need to, I need to work myself out here. I need to plan for this a bit more. Um, probably about five years ago, I started taking 2020 seriously. Uh, up until that point, um, I always felt that my, my sort of box standard skills would, you'd have a few good days and you have a few days when you got whacked into the stands. It was never yeah. uh, the, the main part for me. The main part for me was uh, was test cricket, four-day cricket, bit of one-day cricket, and then 2020. Uh, and I suppose it's changed a bit now. The older you get, uh, can, you know, it, it's sometimes easier to play the shorter form of the game than it is to, to wheel yourself out for four days. <laughs> so uh, now, it's, now it's very high on my, my priority list, if not at the top. Um, because uh, the skills are evolving, and actually, I see it as uh, as more of a challenge at times, um, because you can't just run up and bowl your best ball over and over again in the same spot, because it gets whacked into row Z second or third time you do it. And and 
Pat, so you talk about the time you've played the game and going through it. I remember I remember playing a game against Yorkshire for Durham in a four-year game. Joe Sears blocked me. He blocked us. He, he, I think he got 100 off 410 <laughs> balls the week before the week before um, T20. And uh, the week during that next week, there was a, a practice at Yorkshire. And I think Hoggard bowled his first four balls in practice, which Joe Sears hit for four sixes. And Hoggy just threw the ball at Martin Moxon and said, "Ring me, you know, give me a ring in six weeks when proper cricket starts." So there are people who can play T20. What I, I think what I mean is, like, are people that play can play T20, and people who have had to change their game. And there are people in the game you grew up with watching that who would have been fantastic, fantastic at it. The likes of, you know, Flintoff, Goff, and somebody who I, I'd be interested in your opinion on because you've played a bit of one-day cricket with him is Ali Brown. Someone like Ali Brown in modern day would have been brilliant yeah I, I think his game was kind of suited to it brownie because uh, he was the guy that didn't want to be conventional he wanted to score runs in a difficult way he wanted the bowlers to feel under pressure he was always going to play on the front foot which i suppose is is 2020 in a nutshell you put the opposite number under pressure generally uh, they capitulate before you do and you generally win the game um, I, it's a strange one because the skills are so, so different um, from, you know, that you talk about wonderful players in, in Fred and, and those guys back in the day. I think Goffey, absolutely, it's a no-brainer because mm. of his Yorkers. Fred Bowling, it's a no-brainer. But the batting side, it's so, so different. These guys now are genuinely, and I'm not just saying it, well, it's because I'm old as well. <laughs> I sit there and I'm in awe of some of the things that these young players can do. And I think it's because of how they've grown up um, being encouraged to, to just, you know, anything is possible. Whereas you know as well as I do, Harmy, back in the day, uh, well, certainly at Yorkshire, if you'd not had a shave in the morning, you were fine 20 yeah. pretty much most of your wages, and you, you made sure you had a straight bat all day. You don't get out trying to whoop one out of the ground. And that was my uh, point with Brownie, Bats. That's, no, sorry to jump in. That was my point with Brownie because it ju- he seemed to be the only one during that, that time. That was that was like the, what the modern day 2020 cricketer player is now. Where if you fast forward it, sort of 15 years, there's not many the other way. There's not many sort of conventional players that can't get off the square. Everybody now has to be able to hit this thing, this white ball, ten rows back. Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I think it's evolving again, Harmy. I, I reckon that you speak to guys now that are playing around the world. Uh, we well, use our fellow Rory Burns playing for England Test cricket. But he wants to play 2020 cricket and he wants to be good at it. Mm. Is he going to consistently hit it over long on and long off said? No, he's not. So what's he got to do? He's got to try and use the pace of the ball, get it over the keeper. He's got to manipulate angles. You go back to uh, Hussey, the way that he used to play. It was magnificent. He struck at probably 160, which is as good as, you know, your Simons and your Donnies, these people around the world. We just have this perception that you have to hit fours and sixes to strike at 160. Whereas I would suggest uh, probably one of the best modern-day 2020 players, Ryan Tender starter, doesn't hit lots of sixes. He just hits the gaps and he runs brilliantly. Mm. He can hit sixes, of course he can. But he's a bit of an unsung hero and there's loads of those players knocking around that don't quite get the credit of maybe a Chris Gale because he bangs them 400 miles. Um, And those guys are actually, I think, where the game is going. Uh, because I think people are finding a way of stopping the real big strikers who are a little bit one-trick punch. And Bats, if you coming through now, let's pretend you were 20, uh, you know, or ha- at least half your age, and you were coming through now, how do you think you would be different as a player? How do you think, you know, you, you would rebuild your game? Become I'm a assuming, batsman. <laughs> become a batsman and bowl deucer as the two most obvious things. But wh- how else do you think you would change? Um, 
I think you would you you would turn it around. Probably twenty years ago, you were trying to get yourself a very good base. So you'd be thinking about the basics, do them incredibly well, do it over and over again. Uh, the more you do it, the better you get. And then your other skills sort of add in. You know, as Steve would tell you, it probably started off just bowling an outswing or an inswing, and then five years down the line, you develop something else, and it's the one that goes the other way, and so on and so forth. So, I think I would scrap the whole. Um, Trying to be consistent because sometimes consistency in 2020 cricket uh, bites you. You ball three balls in the same area, you're going to get whacked. Um, so I think I would be trying to be innovative first and then I would try and get consistency. So I'd flip it on its head. I'd worry about the consistency later, but I'd try and have ridiculous skill to get your foot in the door. Um, something very different. I wouldn't be trying to do what uh, the guys are doing now. I'd be trying to think ahead of what uh, could be done. In the bowling aspect, Pat, you, you try and sort of give an advice to a young player. I'd, I'd just basically say, just believe in yourself. Believe, you know, don't so much bowl. You say bowl your best, bowl your best ball, but believe you're better than the opposition person at the other end. Is that a, is it as simple as that? And having the understanding that I'm going to have a bad day and I might get whacked, or do you try and? Overcomplicate it and make it, you know, you have to do this during this ball in this period. Um, can you be predictable in the modern day 2020? Yeah. Uh, do you know what? It's a great question, Harmony, because I reckon you need to go for the character of the player. Mm. If you have somebody like me who's pretty metronomic and pretty basic and boring and pretty limited in skill, you have to, you have to be consistent at what you do. But then you've got to flip it around to be smart to use your consistency against your opposite number. If you've got a guy that's trying to whack it back over your head, you can't stick it under his eyes. You can't get hit back over your head. You've got to be smart and get caught and get pulled and, and hopefully try and drag him down that way. Now, if you're, if you're the opposite and you're a Jason Roy of this world who you know, rides Harley-Davidson's and lives by the seat of his pants, I'd be going, Poof, go for it. Back yourself against anybody. You can take anybody on no ground who's big enough. Just keep whacking them out of the ground. And then you just go to him. Keep it simple. And you would literally just talk about basics with him. Whereas you get your other guys, you know, go back to myself, I, I would have to be coerced into being a little bit thinking outside the box because of the fear factor of, of that's not the type of player you are. Thank you very much, Bats, for coming on. What an incredible Cheers, career you have had. Care, Longer than the format of cricket that we're actually talking about. <laughs> um, uh, that was uh, Gareth Batty. You're on The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with myself, Jared Kimber, and Steve Harmison. And up next, we're going to be joined by former England bowler who has played his trade in T20 cricket all around the world. Hey. Oh, the dipping slow ball. Outstanding, he absolutely nailed it first up. Keeper should get this. Tom Moore's handles. Very good. High ball to extra cover, get out of the way. Easy as you like. Welcome back to the Cricket Collective. I'm Jared Kimber. I've got Steve Harmison with me as well. But we're going to go to someone a little bit slower than Harmy. Uh, but again, another specialist bowler. We have with us the former England and Nottingham. And I won't go through all of his T20 teams because we'll be here for about 45 minutes. But we've got <laughs> Harry Gurney. How are you doing, Harry? Hi, gents. Thanks for having me. Uh, we wanted to talk to you. You were the first name I came up with when I was thinking of uh, how to bowl in T20 cricket because there was this whole thing, uh, you know, a couple of years ago that you might as well just get bowling machines to come in and bowl to people in T20 cricket. You bowl very differently to a bowling machine. How, how did it all develop your bowling style? Well, firstly, I'm very flattered I'm the first person you thought of. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I mean, 
T20 for me um, started developing sort of in my early 20s, very early on in my Leicestershire days. I can remember going over to the Nets with Josh Cobb um, and working on a few different slower balls and playing around and getting feedback from him and Jacques Detroit and one or two others. And it just sort of went from there, really. I've always had a very defensive mindset when I, when I take the field in T20. You hear a lot of coaches and captains. The times I've been told by coaches and captains over the years, you know, always be thinking the attacking option, always be thinking, how can I take a wicket? Well, I've sort of built my career around sort of ignoring them, if I'm honest, um, and uh, just constantly trying to think about damage limitation. Um, and in T20, mistakes mistakes come if you can uh, if you can keep the batsman quiet. Um, you, you talked about the early part of your career. It's more, um, you know, maybe since knots that everything's sort of taken off for you. It's an incredible place to play T20 cricket. I think up until last year, it was the highest scoring T20 ground in the world. Remember the first mm. time I ever looked at your stat, you know, your stats, I, you know, vomited a little bit in my mouth until I realised that everyone was going there. I think it was it was over 10 runs and over uh, for about two or three years at, at Trent Bridge. That must have been a very good place to train, if not always a good place to look at your figures. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those grounds where you know if you... I mean, I can remember early on in my career, I, will, I always wanted to go below 30 um, off my four over, and that's probably still the case on some grounds. But um, at Trent Bridge, yeah, there was certainly a period there where anything below 40 was a, was a reasonable day. When you bowl, you know, the overs that I do, um, generally one or two in the power play and then one or two at the end, it's... Um, it's, it's tough work, but if you can do it well, it makes you really valuable. So um, it works both ways. Harry, we've been talking to Gareth Batty uh, before you came on there. Me and Bats came in in two th- played in the first year, 2002. You came in in 2007, I think it was. Um, mm. And we talked about how the game in 2002 became, it was a hit and giggle. Nobody really took mm. it seriously, not that bothered. And then when we mm. came, as it went on, it seemed to get bigger and now it's it, it's the financial global game. How do you How have you seen it go from 2007 onwards because you've gone around the world and played in different fran- franchises, but also you've played the international stuff. How have you changed, mm. as a person looking at the game, but also as a cricketer in when you have to do your change-ups, when you bowl seam-up, when you're bowling, you know, your, your, your slower balls and stuff like that? I think you just, as you go through your career, I mean, you're right, the game, all forms of the game are constantly changing, aren't they? But to T20, you've had an accelerated period of change probably where batsmen just seem to get more and more aggressive. I mean, I remember there was a phase where you could just run in and bowl hard length, um, which is we describe as hard length when the ball goes through sort of waist height at the batsman's end. And then two or three years ago, um, batters just suddenly started pummeling that, started just standing there like baseballers and pummeling it. So you have to constantly adapt. Um, and for me personally, it's been a case of, I mean, I think, you know, I pride myself on having been a consistent T20 bowler for a long time now, but I think really my biggest attribute is an ability to remain calm under pressure. So that's the other thing, you know, T20 cricket can be a pressure cooker at times and it's fast moving as well. And the ability to just slow things down, remain calm, um, you know, even if you just landed in the back of the stand, which happens in T20, you know, it's all about the next ball. And the ability to do that is uh, is invaluable. And left, left arm was huge, wasn't it? Uh, when you when, probably when mm. you first came in in 2007, there was all mm. a lot of teams, a lot of successful teams had left arm seam mm. bowlers. I think England when England won the T20 World Cup, you know Ryan Seibolton played. So yeah. that was something that you know you must have been licking your lips when you first came into the to the the, uh, the professional game. Yeah, I was. It was certainly an advantage. You know the fact I'm a cackhand right. Um, I remember I was. It was quite early on. Again in my Leicestershire days, Andrew McDonald came over as our overseas pro, and I was sort of languishing in the not second team at Leicester second team at the time and 
Um, I bowled at Macker a few times in the nets, and he just sort of basically plucked me out, plucked me out of the nets, and said, "This guy's got to play." Um, so I owe Macker a lot for that. Um, as a young left armer, as I say, just running in and um, back in those days, I used to whiz it through at decent pace. So um, yeah, it certainly that angle certainly helps, and it certainly helped me get started. That is for sure. And I think it's still valuable today. I think a lot of teams like to have a left armer in their squad still now. And talking about your pace, uh, you know, especially watching you when you play for the Renegades, I know that Doc Lands is one of the worst T20 pitchers in the world. Not that you'll be able to say that, Harry, but I'll say that for everyone. Um, mm. it, it, there are times when I don't see you bowl on, on, you know, anything that seems to be anywhere near your, your natural pace. How often do you bowl a, you know, a delivery at your top speed these days? Uh, God, it just entirely depends on the conditions um, and the ground that you're at and the batter you're bowling at. But... Um, as a rule of thumb, out of a 24-ball spell, I would say, on average, 10 or 12, probably. Um, but that top pace is just um, not not quite as high as it used to be. I mean, I've, back in the day, clocked in the sort of high 80s, early 90s. But um, these days, it's uh, it's more like low low to mid 80s on a on a good day. And variations-wise, so we're talking about the off-pace deliveries. How many actual deliveries do you have? And are you? I know I talk to Benny Howe uh, too often. I'm always talking to Benny Howe because he's always creating mm. a new ball. You don't seem mm. to have quite as many, but how many sort of variations do you have? In terms of slower balls, just two. Um, I love I love Benny. I think he's a hell of a cricketer. And um, Andrew Ty as well talks about having lots of different variations. And he's a he's a great T20 bowler. But I personally. Um, don't necessarily buy into all these, you know, I've got 17 variations. <laughs> all My aim is to bowl as many different. I mean, it's impossible to, surely it's impossible to have that many different ones. I mean, what I do know is that within the two that I've got, which is essentially a cutter that I roll my fingers down and the back of the hander, I vary the line and the length of them and uh, the angle from which I deliver them quite a lot. So within each uh, type of slower ball, there are variations. So you can bowl a slower ball bouncer, you can bowl a wide slower ball, you can bowl a slow ball from round the wicket over the wicket. So that's how I tend to vary it. And then obviously the most important ball, I think, for any T20 bowler is the Yorker. So that's the one that I practice the most. And um, when you throw all of them into the mix with a bit of hard length and the odd bouncer as well, I think that is plenty of variation personally. And Harmer, you you had a slow ball that um, you were talking about, I think, recently on TalkSport. Didn't you bowl four slow balls in a row in India once? How did that I, go for you? No, I did. I, I, I thought I could deceive Mahindra Singh Dhoni with a with a split finger <laughs> slow ball, which he hit ten rows back the first one, and then I thought I'd try and do it again. And I thought he's not going to pick the third one. And by the by the time I bowled the fourth one, it got to about twenty five rows back. So be <laughs> four consecutive sixes. But that was yeah. That my slow ball was horrendous. You could see I had slow ball tattooed on my forehead as I was running in when you've seen it but <laughs> I think Harry where are you now at this moment in time in terms of what's going to happen this season because the way the, the, the potential talking about you know locking the test team down and playing you know potential test matches in one one venue but if there is any domestic cricket are you prepared that it potentially could just be 2020? Yeah I think so I mean that's um, for me that's certainly my main focus um I'm doing a lot of running, trying to keep myself fit in that way and uh, preparing as if there is going to be some cricket in sort of August, September. Um, I mean, I might get in trouble from the ECB for saying this. I, I, deep all right. down, I, I was employed I by the ECB for five years. <laughs> I got in trouble every week. So it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> deep, deep down, I, deep down I, I, I don't know if we're going to play any domestic cricket this year, if I'm completely honest. But mm. um but I'm preparing as if we're going to. So, um, and, and, and you know, even if we don't, hopefully I'll have some somewhere in the autumn. So, um, 
yeah, that's my plan really, spend the summer maintaining my fitness and begin building it up as and when we're allowed to start going and training again. And you, you, I think you talked to the Telegraph recently about, you know, being a freelance cricketer in this time and I've talked to a couple of other cricketers and obviously I've lost a lot of my work as well and Harmy will lose mm-hmm. work. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it's different because you, you've decided to be, well, I suppose you, we'd almost call you a semi-freelance cricketer at this point, mm-hmm. but you've, you've decided on that. You probably at the time weren't thinking that a global pandemic may change your entire life. <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, you're right. I mean, I, I'm always quite reluctant to moan uh, too much and get my violin out with this because <laughs> I know that I'm not going to get um, huge amounts of sympathy for it. But you're right. You know, I've lost, I've lost my hundred contracts. I might lose my IPL contracts. I might lose my Caribbean Premier League contracts. So um, they're quite significant financial blows. But um, and it, as you say, they're not they're not things that you could ever foresee when you when I decided to go down this route. But despite all that. Um, I still don't regret it for a minute. You know, the time was right for me to stop playing four-day cricket and I've absolutely loved the last last couple of years. And, um, yeah, hopefully get back out there sooner rather than later. Harry, can you see, can you see, um, how do I want to put this without getting anybody in any, in any trouble, can you see many players after this pandemic, can we start playing cricket again? And if the financial rewards of playing international cricket aren't there as much as what they potentially could be or has been, mm-hmm. can you see a lot of players going down the route? I'm not going to put somewhere like, I was, I've got a name in front of me, somewhere like Joss Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Heels is probably already there. I can think of during mm-hmm. my time. ECB were very, very close to losing Peterson to being a freelance cricketer. Can you mm. see now players going down that route going, you know what, I think I'm going to have five years at this, I'm going hard at it and I'm going to play IPL and these other leagues rather than slug my way through the, you know, Joffre Archer, slug my way through the Test Match uh, calendar. Mm. Yeah, I can. I can. You know, it's it's when you put yourself in their shoes um, and weigh things up, despite the fact but there'll be certain sections of the media and the public that would vilify them for it. I can certainly see, you know, more people doing it, particularly if the finances of the cricket boards get get hit as hard yeah. as we're reading that there's potential for them to. So, I mean, I think recently the ECB upped all the central contracts for Test cricketers, and that's absolutely the right thing to do because definitely if you don't if you don't pay them well, then then the heads are going to be turned, unfortunately. And Harry, just to finish up, you know, bowling at the death is one of the toughest jobs. And, you know, you, I, there was a podcast you did recently where you were talking about, you know, double bluffing um, batsmen and moving the field to make it look like you're going to bowl into the pads and then chucking it wide where you don't have as much protection. Mm-hmm. But is that actually tougher than dealing with all the trolls on Twitter who seem very unhappy with you liking T20 cricket so much? <laughs> I don't know which one's more difficult, actually. I don't know which. I mean, certainly, given some of the dross that I tweet, I'm probably better at, at manoeuvring a field than tweeting. I guess. And and with with that, with, with your actual bowling and and you know the decisions that you've made, how how much do you think? Um, how much have you learnt uh, from playing all these games? We talked to a lot of you know very good young cricketers who play in one league, but because you played in a few different leagues now and you see different tactics, are you constantly sort of just tweaking your game and trying to stay ahead? Definitely. It's just essential to do that. Um, the game is always evolving and there are so many analysts around these days as well. Um, so you have to con- continually improve, continually try and stay one step ahead of the batsman. So whether that's developing a new variation or changing a tactic when you're playing against a bloke who you know um, might be aware of how you go about your business because you've played against them a lot, that kind of thing. So. You know, there are times where I, you know, I ran in at the Big Bash this year and bowled at Alex Hales, which is just bizarre to me, having <laughs> played so much for knots with him. But 
he knows how I think as a bowler. So you have to you have to change your your approach and your attitude in those scenarios. So it's a bit of a game of chess, really. Um, and I do think it's uh, it's it's far more um, tactical than uh, than people give it credit for, than a lot of people give it credit for. Harry, thank you very much for coming on. I certainly agree that there's too many analysts in cricket at the moment. You're yeah. listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport with the Institute of Cricket. Next up, we'll be speaking to a rising star in T20 cricket as the England and Worcestershire bowler Pat Brown joins us. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Special Pat Brown. Knuckleball, very brave. It's in the air and gone. Brown makes an impact immediately. Brilliantly bold. This is a fantastic 19th over from young Pat Brown. There's what a catch. What a brilliant catch. What a game he's having. And what a return for Patrick Brown. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm Jared Kimber, and with me is Steve Harmison. Now, Steve, we're going to be getting Pat in in a minute, but uh, he's 21 years old, which makes him basically, I think, slightly younger than Gareth Batty's career. Yeah. And he's already travelled around the world. He's already had a couple of contracts. I think he had a BPL contract and a a Big Bash contract, although I don't think he was fit for either of those. Uh, What were you doing at 21? Um, Oh, good question. Um... Probably, ju- was it 21? I'd have been 21 just 
that'll have been at the start of the 2020 coming in, wouldn't it? 20, yeah. 2003? Yeah, around right about then, 2003. So I'd have been just like Pat Brown, probably played one or two games of T20, but not not a massive amount trying to, to work out what was going on getting myself ready to play international cricket. Um, I do have to apologise to this young man when he does come on because I think I, the, the the clip we've just heard, I think I was commentating in the game and uh, Rob Key was sitting alongside me and, uh, and, I, and, and I did talk about young Pat Brown and I, and I actually said, oh, the kid from Worcester, I seen him bowl last week. What, what an action, what pace. And Keyes just went, you forgot his name, haven't you? And I went, <laughs> I have. <laughs> I did for a split second. I just had a brain freeze and forgot his name. But I do remember it now. And he's, uh, I very much enjoy watching him bowl. Well, just on that, I mean, you were obviously, you know, you came into the side, but you, you played with guys like Freddie who were mm. massively hyped. And Pat Brown is one of those guys that, that was hyped from a very early age. I think... It, had he played uh, more Red Bull cricket, there'd be more pressure on him everywhere. But within T20 cricket, I think I must have first heard about him. He couldn't have been much more than 18. And, you know, I had cricket coaches around the world asking for information on this guy. How do you sort of deal with that sort of pressure at that age? I think you need good people around you, to be honest, Jared. I think you need very, very good people around you. When I was getting talked about playing cricket for England, I was captained by David Boone. You know, there's, there's there many better, more experienced <laughs> international cricketers that's ever played the game. Norman Gifford, who, you know, was was playing cricket for England when he was 45. Jeff Cook, people like that were around me at the time. Um, so you have good people around you from a coaching point of view, good senior players you need around you, but also you need to have a bit of a level head as well and understanding um, and not be too emotional. And I think this kid has got has got that. So well, he seems to have that. And fingers crossed he, he continues because I think he's, he's, his career is definitely on the up and up and it wouldn't surprise me if England go into what was a, a lockdown camp at whatever venue to play these test matches, 25-man squad. I think this young man could be in there and potentially he could make his test debut because I'd imagine there'll be a lot of caps going to bowlers during that six, seven-week period. Yeah, it's such an interesting thing how the logistics and everything work uh, because we know that fast bowlers get injured more than, well, pretty much anything anyone else in yeah. the world. Um, and how many extra players you want because they're, they're already, you know, they're looking at that in other sports as well. But fast bowling is, is the sort of thing that someone can just wake up in the morning and just have a sore elbow or a sore back. Yeah, and I think when you, it, if you haven't played a lot of tests, if you haven't played a lot of four-day cricket especially, then... You're, you are going to be even more susceptible going into days three, four and five arguably are the hardest parts of a test match and what I mean by that is me and I remember me and Freddie having this conversation at Lords most years of the first test match and you see you're always seeing two or three debutants in a 14, 15 man squad or you see a young player come in who England are looking to groom potentially give them a little bit of a taste of the atmosphere and you just look at them and think are they going to survive or they're not going to survive and the reason why we're joking like that is the emotion you come into a squad on a Monday game doesn't start on Thursday and you've burnt all your energy by the time Thursday morning comes to toss of the coin you've, you're making your England debut and you've expected You've, you've sort of used all this emotion and the energy and the, the positivity and tried to get yourself going and sampling and everything that goes with it. Um, it is very, very difficult. So there's three, four and five are the toughest part of a test match to get through. And I think for a young player, that is something that you need to try and understand. Um, one, your body. Two, what happens in and around an international scene. But 
potentially there's not going to be any crowds there so uh, the emotion of roller coaster will um, will hopefully be, uh, subside a little bit if some of these young players do get a chance to play for England you know if we do if we if we are in that situation when them test matches do arise throughout the, the rest of the summer well it looks like we've got one of those young players with us now hello Pat how you doing hi guys how are we uh, very good, very good. Firstly, oh, what I want to ask with you is, uh, how did you end up bowling the way that you did? Because you obviously you're, you're quite a young cricketer, and we see a lot of sort of players around that late twenties start to develop um, into you know uh, strange hybrids. But you've sort of come out of that way, out of the box. Yeah, um, I think I think it's, it was mainly a case of just working out my place in the team. I, I spoke to Daryl Mitchell quite a bit before. Um, having having much success really in the team and and he emphasised a lot about young players. The main thing you need to do is find find your sort of little niche in the team, find how you can add value to a team. And I saw with Worcester that the death bowling was potentially a point of weakness. So that's something I I worked on quite hard and and tried to make myself become that. And sort of that's that's how I got to the style of bowling that I've developed at the moment. Um, and sort of what I've I've used so far up to up to this point in my career. And what would you, what would you how would you describe yourself? It's almost like you're bowling very fast spin at times because Mustafiza Rahman was another one. Uh, you know, Bob Appleyard, uh, <laughs> Sid Barnes. There's been a few people like that. But you put rev- revolutions on the ball, but at a really high pace. Yeah, um, I've been referred to as a glorified spinner quite a lot recently, <laughs> which is. Um, well, you put it sounds a bit nicer. I didn't say glorified. I, I made it sound much better. But but you know what yeah, I mean. It's did. not a it's not a normal style. Most people you when they're bowling cutters are taking the pace off. Whereas you're still bowling with a lot of extra pace. Was that on purpose or did it just come sort of naturally? Uh, yeah. Again, that was that's something I've not developed until fairly recently. Really, um, through speaking to Wayne Parnell at Worcester, who's he's obviously had an international career as well and done had a lot of success. So um, he. He's somebody who probably hasn't been able to take as much pace off the ball as I have been, and I've sort of found a way from speaking to him to to put some revs on the ball and make it act a little bit differently while still still bowling. It's just a shade off your full pace, so four or five mile an hour less. And Pat, you've you played a you know, a little bit of you had a taste of playing first class cricket in. Or, or, Sorry, domestic 2020 cricket, and then thrust into the international scene. How did you feel going into it, um, and the difference between the two? Yeah, you know, the, the the jump and the step up. You know, what was what was the override emotion and what you took back from uh, making your debut for England? Yeah, it, it was amazing, really, because um, I've I've not played any representative cricket up to that point in terms of nothing nothing from a schoolboy level at Bunbury or anything or nothing with the Lions because it's quite hard to get picked as just a 2020 bowler for the Lions and that sort of thing. Um, so that was that was quite a weird experience to be, to be thrown into having not experienced anything even remotely like it before. Um, but yeah, the, some of the, the biggest things, the biggest challenges certainly were, as you know, playing in New Zealand, the boundaries are mm. ridiculously small at times and you're playing on rugby fields which have tiny square boundaries which probably isn't my my ideal scenario when I'm the way I'm bowling and the way I've I've sort of learned to bowl over the last few years so that that was the biggest challenge in itself just learning how I how I have to go about things differently and 
on pitches and boundaries that are so so far removed from what I'm used to playing on in England. Um, and then obviously the obvious thing is the step up in quality from um, from from opposition batters. New Zealand obviously a very good team, so that was a struggle. And again, the depth of the batting was was so amazing. You'd have people striding out at seven, seven, eight, and nine even. And you're thinking, if I'm not completely on it, I'm going to go for 15 off this over. Um, so really, I found that it would, there was just no breathing space whatsoever to to have an over where you you're not fully engaged in what you're doing and you're not fully thinking about about what you're doing. So that was that was something that was quite different to to domestic cricket, where you often you find if you get teams five or six down, you feel fairly comfortable that you're not going to go for 15 off the over. And just on your variations, so you obviously, you have a knuckleball. How do you go from not having a knuckleball to having one? Who's the first person that you see bowling it? And, and how do you actually, you know, how long does it take to develop a skill like that? Yeah, I can't actually remember how I, or who taught me it or, or what. I remember, I remember knowing AJ Ty had one and um, it wasn't until after I was bowling one that I knew Benny Howell bowled one. Um, so I don't, I can't actually remember who, who taught me it at first. Um, but it was it was literally just a case of playing around really and finding what works for me. It's it's quite a weird sort of ball in, in how you grip it and and that sort of thing. So I don't think any two bowlers will bowl it the exact same. So it really was just a case of playing around with it and and seeing what works. Um, and I actually my first six games of my domestic career playing 2020 in 2017, I I was bowling it, but it was just rubbish to be honest. Um, <laughs> So I was quite lucky. Nobody really knew I had one because it wasn't any good. So going into 2018, when I'd worked out a bit more, um, I kind of had the surprise factor still, even even though I'd been bowling it probably a year and a half before. So I'd say it probably took a good 18 months to to get it to a point where it was good enough to have success in games. And Pat, you talk about you know, all the variations and everything that goes in with with 2020. Are you have you got the ambition to to uh, you know, take your 2020 career and go that little bit further, sample the international scene at a at a white ball level? But do you have aspirations of going and thinking right? I, you know, I, I can play at that at the highest level in all formats. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, it is certainly in my eyes, it's the pinnacle of of cricket playing test cricket. Um, just seeing the Ashes series last year made that pretty apparent to, to me, certainly. Um, so that's something I definitely harbour ambitions to do still. Um, How do you think you could get there? Uh, getting into the Worcester team to start with. Um, <laughs> that'd be, that'd be a good start, but I've not, I've not played much, much red ball cricket and that's my own fault. I've not done that well when I have played, but, I think um, as well, injuries, I don't want to make excuses, but I've had a couple of uh, injuries as well, which has hampered me in that. Um, but I think the, the main thing is, I've only, I think I've played five games with it, and it took me six games in 2017 of 2020 where I was rubbish to sort of learn a bit about the format and learn a bit about myself in the format to really to really take off. So. I think I'm I'm fairly confident that I've got the skills to do it. I think I I probably just need a little bit bit more time to work out the game and and sometimes you just have a breakthrough breakthrough moment. I think I certainly had that with 
with white ball cricket, I just had a one moment that sort of changed everything for me and it went from there. So I'm sort of striving for that to happen in red ball cricket, but the only way I can, can get there really is to to work hard and get myself in the Worcester team and continue to do well there. And you, t- you talked about the injuries, which have which have come up quite a few times in your career, and you're certainly not the first young bowler to do that. But we saw Mustafa Zaraman, who I suppose, if we're doing you know a nearest neighbour analysis, he'd be the most similar bowler to to yourself out there. Uh, do you think that put all those revs that you're putting on the ball is there is there an actual problem uh, for your body uh, being able to handle that, especially at your age? Um, potentially, yeah. It's some of the some of the deliveries you do have to get into a little bit of a what you might call an unsafe position um, technically to, to be able to deliver them. Um, so I think about the way I, I bowl my off cut, so I kind of have to lean away quite a lot to get my arm in a position to, to put the revs on the ball. Um, and then there's the danger that that technique sinks into your your, uh, your stock ball and you fall away there, which is, is what's happened to me a couple of times. So I don't think it's I don't think it's um, a long-term issue. I think it's just going to be a case of keeping on top of it and and making sure that when I'm when I am bowling my stop, I'm bowling it properly with with good technique. Because when I do, I can I can bowl well. What I think is pretty quick as well. So I don't want to lose that from a game either. No, certainly not. Well, thank you very much for coming on. That Cheers, Pat. That was Pat Brown, the very exciting young player. He's an exciting young player if you follow English cricket, but he's also, if, if you follow uh, T20 trends like I do, uh, he's a very, very exciting player. So you're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Myself, Jared Kimber, and double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by another young England bowler as we speak to Lancashire spinner Matt Parkinson. Yeah! On, that is on leg stump. Lancashire's fight back is gaining momentum. Five down now, Worcestershire. Yeah, another good one from Parkinson. Again, pace off, just getting that dip and the drift. There are not many guys that come into international cricket and and dominate straight away. Oh, that's a ripper. Butler takes the bails off. Burns in the third umpire's chair is in action again. This looks a real beauty from Parkinson. Even though it's for the here and now, you still have to prepare for the future, and I think that's what England are doing with Parkinson. Goal, gone. This is outstanding from Parkinson again. Naturally, Parky tends to bowl a little bit slower than most um, and has good variations, but will continue to work on the pace that he bowls and the variations that he bowls as well. But everything that we've seen so far is extremely positive. That was Owen Morgan talking about Matt Parkinson, who we have on the line to chat to us about his rise in T20 cricket. How are you doing, Matt? Hi, guys. You okay? Uh, very good, very good. Now, I'm going to start with the question that I think you're asked more than anyone else, just so we can get it out of the way, and because Owen Morgan mentioned it there, you do bowl slower than other bowlers, but it hasn't seemed to have held you back at all. And, and Well, and as far as your rise goes, it certainly hasn't held you back there. No, it hasn't, um, and you're correct that I do get asked, asked that, that, that question uh, a lot, really, um, about, about the pace that I bowl and um, whether it, uh, or not the pace was transferable to, um, to international cricket. Um, and I like to think when I when I when I played in New Zealand and um, have, having played for Lancashire for the past uh, three or four years, that um, the pace that I bowled has worked. And um, like I said in an interview before, um, I'm not going to force the pace that I bowl. I'm not going to change too much of the way I bowl. Um, having spoke to, to guys close to me, I think um, fingers crossed I can continue working and 
and getting stronger, then um, ho- hopefully that that pace com- comes in naturally to me. I, I find it quite interesting because, you know, we, we picked the three bowlers to come on today and obviously, well, and ba- Gareth Batty, but he's gone. We'll forget about him for a minute. But, uh, you know, we picked a left-arm bowler uh, in Harry Gurney who bowls a lot of slow balls and, and sort of non-natural way of bowling. We looked at Pat Brown who obviously bowls these really, really fast cutters. And then you bowl, a, a, you know, a slower version of leg spin to a, you know, compared to most people. It almost feels like those differences are quite important in T20 cricket. If you can do something that's quite rare and quite different, that seems to be something that batsmen have trouble picking up. Um, yeah, I agree. I think um, if I have a look, look at my T- T20 career so far, um, I, li- I like to think that I've done okay. And um, You see most spinners around, around the world ten- tend to do ball quite fast. Obviously, your Rashid Khan's. For example, he I think he's up, up to 60 mile, mile per hour normally. Um, but yeah, I, I like to think that the pace that I've been bowling for Lancashire and then, then in the two games that I played in, in, in New Zealand was was fine for me and um, suits 20, 2020 cricket. Um, I know for a fact that the pace that I bowl suits playing in, in Manchester. Um, I'm very lucky that the, the wicket at home spin, spins a lot for me and um, like Morg, like Morgie said in that um, interview, um, obviously my pace is a, a, a work in progress, and it's probably the one thing that I am um, w- working towards um, improving. But um, I think in the 2020 game, um, my pace my pace is fine. Uh, Matt, you told, there's been a lot of talk about your pace, and there can be a lot of talk about spin in 2020 cricket, and a lot of it is holding the key. Um, but is it as simple as just saying to you, as is it holding your nerve as a as a spin bowler, and enjoying the occasion, enjoying being out in the middle, and having ult- ultimate belief in yourself when you're out there, that you can you can perform better than the guy at the other end who's got a bat in his hand. Yeah, I think I think it is. Um, I think as a spinner, um, especially sort of the pace that I bowl, that's probably the one thing you can cling to. Um, you don't have the ability to bang it in or, or do, do anything like that. So for me, bowling at, I don't know, 45 mile per hour, um, it sometimes it does get a bit daunting. And I guess the one thing you can cling to is sort of your self-belief in your, in, in your ability and um, the fact that you're going to make them look silly, I, I hope anyway. Um yeah, that's probably the main thing that I cling to, trying to get 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 in the fight and um, sort of out, I said out outclass the batter. Really, um, I guess it's the only the, the only thing we can do when when we're bowling so slowly. And we talked to Harry and Pat, and, and they both talked about the sort of defensive side of T20. But you're the other end of that. You're very attacking. Is that something that coaches encourage you with, or is it just because you're a leg spinner and you refuse to defend? Or how did it come about that you, be, you became such an attacking T20 bowler? Um, I think it's just playing. Um, I actually li- listened to Pat's interview before, and um, he said some interesting points about sort of le- learning your role in the team. Um, I think that's pretty much for me as well. I think that was the role that I picked up in 2017 when I made my debut for Lancashire, and um, I think I quick, quick, quickly became sort of a go-to guy to, to, to get a wicket. So I think once you become comfortable in, in that role, um, and you sort of have the self belief that yeah I am I am a wicket taker then it almost becomes in, in, ingrained in you really and um, yeah that's that's the way I sort of look at 2020 cricket and um, I know obviously when you speak to Pat and Harry they they might be different but um, yeah just having played um, the past three or four years that's the role that I've taken and it's the role that I've become fairly comfortable with.
Matt, just you were listening to, to to Pat a second ago, so I'll ask you the same question as I as I asked him. You know, you've just had a winter away with the England team uh, in all formats in Red Bull. One, how much did you enjoy that? But two, how much did you learn from that? I know we had a couple of you know a couple of beers one night in the uh, I think in Cape Town. How much did you learn, and how much do you think? Right, I'm re- I'm going to take this to the next level in my game, and I can perform at this international level on all formats. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think with, the, with with sort of the the white ball um, leg of the winter, um, I was fairly comfortable um, in that setup. Really, having played a, a lot more white ball cricket for Lancashire than I have red ball, um, and obviously having gone fairly fairly well in, in New Zealand to start with, that gives you the confidence almost to go into the Saskatoon white ball series, feeling yeah, I do I, I do belong here, or at least I do have a chance to do do well here. Um, like I said, the red ball probably didn't have that expectation. I wasn't expecting to get selected in September, but when I didn't play, I, that's probably the only thing I could do was try try and learn as much as I could from from the winter. Um, having Jeter Mattel as a spin coach was fantastic, and um, I like to think that the lessons I learned in New Zealand and South Africa, um, although I didn't play, would have would have stood would have uh, stood me in good good stead for for Sri Lanka. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just a shame the way, the way it panned out. As a leg spinner, uh, you know, you, then we might only have like a couple of weeks, uh, you know, preparation before you go back. Is it going to be t- a little bit tougher for you than maybe some of the other players to, to find that touch and to, you know, regain the ball? Um, yeah, you probably think so. Um, I've been trying to keep keep up my skills a bit. Um, I've got a wall um, outside my flat and some t- t- tennis balls as well. But um, yeah. I like I like to think that the volume that I I bowled dur- during the winter, um, obviously the white ball legs and and, and the, the red ball tours of um, of the three countries, I'm hoping that sort of the backlog from there, which most cricketers won't have had, um, will will stand me in good, good stead for for if and when we get we get some cricket. And and finally, Matt, if we can you know come out of this pandemic and everybody, thankfully, fingers crossed, everybody's well, and we start playing cricket again in 12 months' time, and 12 months is a long time in cricket. Where do, where would you like to see Matt Parkinson and the amount of volume you've played and the environments you've been in to make yourself you know a, a better cricketer 12 months on? Um, yeah, probably 12 months from now. Um, again, obviously, it's hard it's hard to say really, but. Um, would you want to play more red? Would you want to play more yeah. sort of going for a franchise stuff, or would you think right? I'm going to be the ultimate all-round cricketer because I want to push to be the best cricketer Matt Parkinson can be. How do you get there? I think it's almost taking the cricket that you, you can get. Really, um, again, I've been asked this question quite a bit, and I think as a leg spinner, it's tough at times, and almost take the cricket that's on offer. If that is red ball cricket for Lancashire, then brilliant. Um, if it is franchise cricket, then awesome as well. But I just need to bowl really, and um, with the way a red ball cricket is normally set up in in England, it is tough to get to get to get game time really. And um, yeah, I think the best case scenario for me in 12 months' time will have played will have to have played more cricket than the last 12 months. And yeah, fingers crossed, continue to go go well well in white ball cricket, and and hopefully get get some more more chance in red ball cricket as well. Beautiful, Matt. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Cheers, Matt. Thank you very much. All right, Harmy, one final one for you. Yeah. You start your career again now. Yeah. Uh, you a T20 specialist. You're trying to play all three formats. And um, how would you handle the travel of I'm, being a T20 player? Um, that would be tough, the travel. 
I'd love to. I'd I'd want to be all all three formats. Jared, I love playing T Twenty cricket. I thought it was brilliant, and I'd because for somebody, I just loved being challenged. You know, I loved playing against the best. You know, when I was watching on you know the O five coming back and seeing it on TV and bowling at Langer, Langer, I wasn't enjoy bowling at Langer because he didn't give me much. He would block me and block me and block me, and he he just grind his way to hundred. I'd rather go against Hayden and Ponton every time because I felt as though I was going to get a chance because they were coming at me. Um, and I felt that was the way T20 cricket was. It was a challenge and I thought it was a brilliant game and I'm just disappointed I didn't play as much as I would like to have. So I'd like to play it all format, like to play all formats, but um, I'd love to have a go at the T20 now because I think the challenge of the game now is magnificent. <laughs> it certainly is. It was great to hear from uh, Harry Gurney, or Gareth yeah. Batty to begin with, but Harry Gurney, Pat Brown and Matt Parkinson, all guys who are trying to forge ahead. Thanks for uh, coming on, Harmy, as well. You've been Cheers. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with myself, Jared Kimber, and double Ashes winner Steve Harmson. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, available on Apple Podcast, Acast and Spotify. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 